Joe Gavery comes home with a powerful song. Today I'm talking about a little moment I love from The Color Purple. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about one of my favorite moments from the the movie adaptation of The Color Purple, as directed by Steven Spielberg. And this this moment in particular has stuck with me since I saw the film, and only gets better with time because now that I know more about both music and filmmaking and, and all of that, so I wanted to highlight this particular moment and why it works so well. So, without further ado, let's get started. I think it's amazing that people once believed that Steven Spielberg was only good at blockbusters. Like, yeah, the guy made Jaws, Close Encounters, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, but by the early 90s he had also made The Color Purple and directed one of the most satisfying scenes in movie history, Shug Avery's musical, metaphorical, and literal reunion with her father. The scene opens on a Sunday morning with two disparate congregations. On the one end, we have Shogavery's father's church, Reverend Samuel starting up their morning service with song. On the other, Shogavery is playing at Harpo's club with Celie in attendance, as she has for years. But as the song Speak Lord begins to play, Shog is moved to join the song and service and brings the two congregations together in a musical celebration of joy and forgiveness. So why does this scene work so well? Let's start with the background. The scene finds the women of the film in a period of positive transition. Celie has stood up for herself against Mr. and left his abusive household, which in turn inspired Squeak to do the same with Harpo. And Sophia has made amends with Harpo and helps him run the bar, where Shug, married and at least moderately reformed, still sings. But there's a few outstanding items on these women's plates. For Celie, it's her lost sister and children, and for Shug, it's the distance that remains between her and her pastor father, who disowned her years ago. This man has been silent and cold towards her for at least a decade, if not longer. So seeing Shug finally get the courage to arrive in her father's church, belting through the rafters, embracing him, and in return being hugged for the first time in over ten years, understandably brings tears to her eyes and the audience's. Not only that, but we get a hint that Celie could be in store for a similar reunion with a shot of a mailbox with a letter from the immigration office addressed to Celie. This scene is the payoff and reversal of years of pain, and it is palpable. And the setup works really well, too. The setup for this scene is very simple. The Sunday service begins playing loudly, seemingly to drown out Shook's performance at the Riverside Bar. And instead of retaliating, Shug takes it as a sign, and decides to join in and make amends. Her band and congregation join her, and we crescendo from the scene's beginning to the scene's end. It's a slow build. But there's a lot of not-so-subtle metaphors and elements that make all of this amazing. The first is that the scene operates as a call-and-response. Call-and-response is a tradition you hear a lot in blues and gospel songs and tracks like What I'd Say, where the leader prompts the chorus and backup singers and the other party retorts or reinforces what's just been sung. So going back and forth between these two groups is very reminiscent of call-and-response singing. Choir sings, Shug responds. Choir sings again, Shug sings again. It's a tradition that has been in Black American music since its inception, and it's great to see a visualization of it here. The visuals also paint Shug as a spiritual figure and leader in her own right. But while her father already has his flock, Shug's is scattered. 
However, once she starts singing and moving, she guides them into church. Her bright yellow dress working as a beacon and the bar patrons cross rivers and follow her path towards the service. Hell, plenty of them don't even take roads and seem to come out of the woodwork or the fields. The shots with Suge leading her group from the front while belting and entering the house of God with gusto is as on the nose and awesome as this kind of imagery gets. Suge, for all intents and purposes, is driving her congregation into the arms of family and God, literally delivering them unto God from sin. Of course, the biggest and most obvious metaphor is Suge operating as God's messenger for her father. She was literally called by the gospel, in this case music, to preach and reach out and confronts her father with love, begging him and screaming that God is trying to tell you something, before she hugs him and says, sinners have soul too. It's a message that her father should have heard and embraced long ago, but with Suge as its messenger, it finally gets through, and he hugs Suge. And then we get into the music and sound. This setup doesn't work unless the music and sound hits hard, and it certainly does, as you'd expect anything from Quincy Jones was involved with to do. Song-wise, Speak Lord is perfectly structured for an emotional build. We open with big-held chords and a choir leader to bring the audience in, before quickly shifting into the call-and-response-styled gospel song. The tempo is at first slow and pensive and lets the soloist shine. Then there's a slight uptick in the tempo as Suge's voice gets more powerful, even echoing in the church like a spirit. And the song's message of God's trying to tell you something starts to pick up and get reinforced by the choir. And finally, when Shug's voice and spirit can no longer be ignored or denied, the tempo explodes as the choir matches Shug's power and the doors are flown open. Quincy Jones is, is a master of seemingly any genre, and he does it again here. And then we have to talk about vocalist Tata Vega, because my god. Vega is the vocalist for Shug throughout the film, and has been in perfect harmony with whatever the movie throws at her. In particular, blues track like Miss Seeley's Blues or Sister, which requires a soft edge. Not too powerful to overwhelm the band, but also sultry and enticing. Which is noteworthy because the blues was viewed by many as devil's music compared to gospel. There's an entire scene of Ray Charles mixing blues and gospel in Ray. But that edge and power is exactly what this song and this scene needs. The juxtaposition between Vega's voice and the choir leader, leader voiced, voiced by Jackie Gouch is night and day. Gouch sings clearly and with power, but in terms of emotion, feel, edge, and sheer boom, Vega has more from the first has more from the first time she says "Speak, Lord." Musically, it means we've got the power of a blues singer tearing into a gospel track with equal fervor, and the merger, much like early R&B, is amazing, especially as the track picks up and Vega can riff as she desires, and the little right nows get me every time. Like most of his movies and many of his best scenes, Speak Lord has a surprisingly simple setup for Spielberg, but the emotions, music, and performances turn it into something special. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.